Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Lord, I pray a blessing on everyone who's come tonight. That they've taken time in the middle of, the, of a week <clears throat> to come and be in your presence, to worship you, Lord, to feed on your word. I pray a blessing on every one of them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you want to open your Bibles with me tonight to Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to talk about Abraham for a little bit. The, the three, interesting to me, the three major monotheistic religions in the world all claim to be come from Abraham. Christianity, obviously, Judaism, and Islam all claim Abraham as their founder, their father. Tremendous guy. Anyway, Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those that bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Hallelujah. You know, uh, I was going just going to say something. I lost it. Praise the Lord. Oh, someone one time they asked me, uh, what do you think about Israel? And I said, I'll tell you what I think about Israel. I think about Genesis chapter 12 where God says, I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you. And that's, that's forever. I mean, God's word is forever settled in heaven. That's why you want to be on the right side. You want to be on Israel's side. And uh, I don't care whether that's politically correct or not. It's spiritually correct. Amen. I feel like I just want to say a lot of things that are politically incorrect. Just to, just to say them. Hallelujah. Just to throw it in the face of the stupid devil who wants to get every, who wants to twist everything. Uh, anyway, praise the Lord. So Abraham was going to be the father of us all, not obviously not biologically, but because from him would come Isaac and Jacob and the patriarchs. And from them would come the nation of Israel. And from the nation of Israel would come the Messiah, the, the Savior of the world. And, and in that, he will bless all of mankind, the whole planet. He's our example. He's, when he talks about Abraham being the father of us all, 
It really means he's our example. He's, he's the one we're to follow. And, and that refers to spiritually because righteousness was imputed to him by faith. But Abraham is also an example for us in other ways, a couple other ways, and that's what I want to look at tonight. You know, every once in a while, I like, I like gleaning from, um, from specific people and situations. You know, like, what can we learn from the life of uh, Jonah? Well, there's a lot to learn. Rebelling against God doesn't pay for one, and you can't run from God, and Gentiles are going to get the gospel. And, but, you know, Timaeus, the blind man, Timaeus, the son of Bartimaeus, you know, lessons learned from a blind man, lessons learned from Lot's wife. What can we learn from Abraham? Well, I want to just look at it for just a little bit tonight and uh, hopefully glean from his life and follow him the way God wants us to. Hallelujah. You know, it's, to me, it's amazing that God specifically chooses certain people. Of all the people on the planet, God chose Abram. Of all the young women in Israel, God chose Mary. You know, specific, there must, must have been something very special about their life. The Bible says about Job that he was the most righteous man on the whole planet. Well, I wish they could say that about me. But Abram was a follower of God, and he had the call of God on his life. God chose him. When I say the call of God, I don't mean ministry. You know, sometimes we think today someone's got the call of God on their life. They're talking about ministry. I'm not talking about ministry. I'm talking about just becoming a follower of God. And for us today, it does mean becoming a, becoming a Christian, accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. In John 6 and verse 44, uh, Jesus said, No man, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Our coming to God, our getting saved, our being born again, call it whatever you will. It's not our doing. When we surrender our lives to the Lordship of Jesus, we are responding to the call of God. God calls and we answer. And that's what it was with Abraham, with, with Abram. He didn't, he didn't decide to follow God. God came to him. You know, when we are lost, we can't find ourselves. It's up to God. The only way we're going to find God is for him to come and find us. And when we're saved, you know, I've heard people say, well, so-and-so got radically saved. And I was thinking, radically saved, what other, what other way is there besides radically saved? It's the only way. If you're going to get saved, you might as well get radically saved. You might as well go all the way. But the call of God, first of all, the call of God is personal. You have to meet God yourself. The call of God comes to each one of us individually. Everyone has to answer the call of God individually. It didn't matter that where Abraham, he was an important family. It didn't matter whether where he was educated, how rich he was, or poor. You have to answer the God. You have to answer the call of God for yourself, and that applies. You know that applies to me also. You know, just because God has called me to be a pastor doesn't mean I get any special dispensation. It's not any easier for me to walk the Christian walk. It's not any easier for me to get into heaven. You know, some people think, well, especially like in the Catholic Church, oh, they, they're a priest, they're going to heaven. Not necessarily. Just because you call, you're called to the ministry, it's just, it's just that this, this is the call that God has on my life. 
Whatever God has had you to do, you do what you, you know, you do what God's called you to do. No one gets a special, uh, a free ticket. And that's, everyone has to accept Jesus Christ themselves as their Lord and Savior. My wife and I, in our family, my wife and I were what I would call first generation Christians. We are the first ones in our family to be, to be born again, to know what it is to be born again, to accept Jesus, to be, to be filled with the Spirit and walk after God. We're the first ones. And our children were raised in a Christian home, but that doesn't make them Christians. Their father is a pastor, but that doesn't give them any special standing with God. And it's the same for our grandchildren. Just because grandma and grandpa are pastors doesn't make them Christians and it doesn't give them any special, any special standing with God. Being born again in this country doesn't make you a Christian. Belonging to a particular denomination doesn't make you a Christian. Being raised in a Christian home doesn't make you a Christian. Being a good moral religious person doesn't make you a Christian. God, you know, someone said God has no grandchildren. You don't get in on someone else's coattail. You got to get in your own. You got to get in yourself. If you believe there's a God, if you believe there's life after death, if you believe in heaven and hell, if you care about where you're going to spend eternity, you have to answer the call of God yourself, individually. No one can do it for you. And no religious ceremony can do it for you. Sue and I have done what we know to do to show our children, our grandchildren, the truth about God, to, to, to teach them about the spiritual world, about heaven and hell. But at some point, our children, our grandchildren will have to decide to follow God for themselves, surrender their lives to the Lordship of Jesus, and be born again by, the, by their own choice, you know, Jesus in, Jesus in John 14 and verse 6, he's, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And they have to accept that. They have to know that and believe it and accept it. Every one of us has to make that individual commitment to our, our, own, our own lives. In Genesis, don't, don't, don't go to there. In Genesis, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, uh, there are kind of like two lines of people. There's the people that come from Cain, the bad people, and there's the people that come from Seth, the good people. That's the, the, the righteous line, you might say. But it doesn't make any difference whether, whether they come from the good people or the bad people. They're all spiritually dead, and the only way to change that is to follow God. Now, I'm not saying that people in the Old Testament were born again in the same way we are, but I'm talking about following God. <clears throat> and the power of the call is the power to change the most corrupt, devious, deviant person, or the most proud, or the most arrogant, or the most self-righteous, the most religious. It's the power to change everybody. We all come to God, and we all have to surrender to Him and become one with Him in the Spirit. The power of God has to change the worst person and the best person alike. Just, we have to come. We have to follow Him. You know, I was thinking of these, I was thinking of Billy Graham's uh, crusades. At the end of the crusade, uh, he'd always give it an altar call and ask people to come down uh, from wherever they were sitting onto the, onto the field. My brother did that. I don't know if you know this, you probably know my testimony. My brother said, 
my brother was the first one in our family, in my family, not our family, but in my biological, first one in my family to get saved was my brother. He married a good Baptist girl, and she brought him to a Billy Graham crusade, and he said, he called me up when, after it happened, it happened way before I was born again, and I thought, yeah, that's good for you. And uh, I thought he was a little whacked out, but he said, Billy Graham gave, gave the invitation for people to come down, and I was sitting way up, way up in this, wherever they were, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And he said, next thing I know, next conscious awareness I had, I was halfway down the stairs to the field. I have no recollection of getting out of my seat. I have no recollection of walking down half those stairs. I was to I was to it's like I was in a totally uh, out of it. And all of a sudden I woke up, I was, it's like I came to, I was halfway down. And I said, well, if I'm gone this far, I might as well go all the way. So he got saved at a Billy, but at the, at the end of that Billy Graham crusade, they always sang a song, just as I am, without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. So all you gotta do is come. Come to God, he'll do the rest. Don't worry about what changes. You know, just, just come to God and surrender. Don't worry about what changes you're gonna have to make. God's power will change us. The Holy Spirit will begin to begin the process of changing your life. You don't have to figure it out. You have to figure anything out. God will do it for you. He'll, he'll address issues in your life and certain things in your life in his time and in his way. He'll do it. Don't have to worry about it. Abraham is dead. Abraham and Sarah were dead as far as having a child. They were without hope. But God came. When God comes, everything changes. Hallelujah. The call of God requires total surrender. You have to surrender your life. In, in Genesis, in this chapter, God said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. If you back up a couple of verses in chapter, in chapter 11, it says now this in verse 27, now these are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abraham, Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah, in the land of his birth, in Ur of Chaldeans. Abram and Nahor took wives of themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Sarai was barren and she had no children. And Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went out together from the Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and they settled there. And the days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. In Genesis 11, you know, it shows they, they left. They left the land of the earth of the Chaldeans. But they stopped. God called them to go to Canaan, but they stopped in a city called Haran. Why did they stop there? Well, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Maybe uh, it says uh, that Terah died in Haran, so maybe he wasn't feeling well. But maybe they just went far. They just, they just got tired of traveling and said, this is a nice city. It's, uh, it's got everything we need. We'll settle here. This is good enough. But, 
and they, they could say to God, you know, if God said, you're not, you're, not, you're not where I called you. I called you to Canaan. But you could say, look what I did. I left the old life behind. I've come this far. Isn't this good enough? No. If God says, go to Canaan, that's where he wants you. And partial, partial travel is not good enough. It's not up to me to decide. When I surrender to God, <clears throat> it's not up to me to decide where I'm going or how far I'm going to go or what I'm going to do. When I, when I gave my life to the Lord in Mexico Beach, Florida, in January of 1976, I had no idea, I had no clue in the world that God was going to call me to be a pastor. I was in the Air Force, I had a career, and I thought that's what, this was going to be my life. I didn't know what I was going to do after that, but I wasn't going to leave the Air Force, that's for sure. But God, when God comes, sometimes he shakes things up. You know, it's like, and God, and God doesn't ask you if that's what you want to do. He tells you what you're going to do. You know, I love the story of God choosing the Levites. Of all the tribes of, of Israel, God chose the Levites to be the priests. You know what? God, God didn't form a committee and say, okay, every tribe, submit your resume, and we'll evaluate the resumes, and we'll see which one of the tribes is most qualified to, to hold the priesthood. No, God, and God didn't ask for volunteers, and God didn't, God didn't ask them if they even wanted the priesthood. He said, that's it. You're, you're, you're going to be the priest. I choose you. And we have to understand, you know, we are so fiercely independent in this country that we don't like anybody telling us what to do anytime. And God has a right to tell me exactly what to do with my life, where I can go, well, how much money I can spend, or how I can spend it. He's, he's, he's sovereign. He rules. And if I'm surrendered to him, it has to be a total surrender to God. You've got to give your life to God wholeheartedly. Don't hold anything back. Just sell out and do what God wants you to do. You know, you don't know where it's going to all end up, but I'll tell you, it's going to end up good because God's in it. Hallelujah. So... When you, when you give your life to God, you surrender all, you know? It's, we have to say what Jesus said. Father, not my will, but your will be done. God, whatever you want from me, that's what I'll do. And God said, get out of the land, and I'll show you. I'm not going to show you ahead of time. Just keep walking. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, it says, Abram went out not knowing where he was going. He wasn't sure. God just said, come, follow me, and I'll show you where to go. When we come to God, we can't say, I'll serve you if. I'll follow you if. If it's not too hard, if it's not too inconvenient, if it won't cost me too much, if I can still maintain control of some of my life. No, we're not, we have to understand, when you come to God, you're not calling the shots anymore. Say, Pastor, that's kind of a tough way to say it. Yeah, but I, I need to say it because it's the truth. When we come to God, we belong to him, spirit, soul, and body. And he has a right to do with me whatever he chooses. We're not calling the shots. We're not in control. He's in control. You know, too often uh, when we've talked to some people about giving their lives to the Lord, they, they want to know what it's going to cost. You know, if I, Pastor, if I become a Christian, um, will I have to stop sleeping with my girlfriend? Uh, well, will I have to stop drinking? Will I, will I still be able to do this? Will I have to stop that? You know, they, they want to know what it's going to cost. I said, this is, that's totally wrong. You want God or don't you? If you do, you, you, just, you just come, you sell out. You give to him and you surrender to him and you trust him. 
and you walk after him with all your might. If we're not willing to give up our lives, we're staying on the throne. We're not surrendering our will. We don't get to barter with God. It's unconditional surrender. You know, I like to watch World War II videos. And both Germany and Japan, at some point, were trying to, when they realized the war was basically lost, they, they tried to figure out a way where they could have a negotiated peace. And the Allies, the Allies said no, no negotiated peace. One choice and one choice only, unconditional surrender. You don't get to put any demands on us. Unconditional surrender. And that's what God wants from us. Unconditional surrender. Nothing else but. God said to Abraham, start walking. Just trust me. And then he said, I'm going to give you a son. Abraham said, how? He said, just trust me. And then God said, I want your son as an offering. You know, to me, it's remarkable that Abraham didn't say, okay, no, wait a minute, time out. You've gone too far. You're asking too much. What did he do? He took his son and he headed for the mountain. He obeyed God. And because of that, God blessed him. The Bible says that we're to come out from, the, from among the world in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Come out from among them, the world, the worldly people the ways of the world. Come out from among them and be separate. God says, and I'll be a father to you. I'll bless you. I'll be a father to you. And you'll be children to me. <clears throat> you know, I learned this lesson. I learned this lesson, not the hard way, but when God called me out of the Air Force, uh, well, I left. I just, I went to my squadron commander and I said, uh, I'm going to retire my commission. And I'm getting out of the Air Force. I'm going into ministry. And after I left, after I made, I signed out, uh, and I drove off the base, about a week later, about a week later, I said, I'm going to go back and uh, see some of the guys. I'm going to go back to the squadron and see some of the guys. And I walked in there, and I'll tell you, it didn't take me five minutes to walk around. I just felt like I do not belong here anymore. I am done with this. I mean, it, it just, it just, it was almost, I was grieving the spirit being, because God said, you're done with this. Don't go back. You can't go back. You, even, to, even to try to have a friend or two, you're done in Jesus' name. So I said, that's it. I'm done. I never went back, and, never, and I never regretted leaving. But that's the way it has to be with God, total surrender, giving your life to him. Obeying the call means, Lord, whatever you say, I obey. And finally, I just want to look at one other thing. God, the call of God is the call to serve. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. He said, I'll bless you, that you may be a blessing to all the nations. If you're willing to get out, I'll bless you. Not so that you can hold on to it, not so you can squander it on your own self, but so that you can be a blessing. 
It's about God using us. The call of God is, a, is about God using us to bless others. If all we're doing is looking to be blessed, you know, we'll come up empty. But if we're looking to be a blessing, God will bless us so that we can bless others. We have to get out of our comfort zones. We have to get out of our familiarity and not be afraid to step into something new, something challenging, and something different. One of the things, I'll just share a personal note with you. One of the, one of the things that's always kind of uh, scared me, not scared me, that's not the right word. I've always been afraid uh, of getting stuck. You know, I, I don't want to become an old codger who can't learn something new. I want to be an old dog who you can teach new tricks. You know, I'm, I've, I've always been concerned. Say, God, don't ever let me get so stagnant, so set in my ways that I can't learn something new, go with a different flow, uh, you know, let the Spirit of God do something new in me. I don't want to get stuck. You know, when we were first saved, God led us to a little Methodist church in Stuben, and the pastor was a wonderful godly man, but he was, he was like stuck in the 70s. All the songs he sang were from the 70s. Everything was, it's, it's like you went back to the 70s, which was not bad, but, but he, he had a really hard time embracing the new. And I, and I just say, God, help me. I just want to be surrendered to you. I'm not afraid to embrace something new, to go in a different direction, uh, to let you really have your way in me, no matter how old I get. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So come out from among them doesn't mean physically, but we live in the world, but God, we're not going to be friends of the world. We're going to walk after God with all of our might and bless him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I had one other thing I wanted to share, but... Oh, Rama Sakababianda. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says that righteousness was credited to Abraham because he believed God. And I was thinking when I was meditating on this, Righteousness is what? It's a spiritual thing. But Abraham was made righteous. Not be, not, he wasn't forgiven of any particular sin or any sinful or ungodly lifestyle. God imputed righteousness to him for what reason? Because he believed God to have a child. And God imputed righteousness to him because he believed him for something physical. I thought, that's, God, how is that? Because when we, when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, righteousness is imputed to us, but it's a spiritual thing. Our sins are forgiven because of the cross of Jesus Christ, and in the Spirit we're made righteous. But Abraham was made righteous because he believed God to do something physical in his life. And I said, how, God, how is that? Why, why is that our example? And I felt this. It's like Abraham believed God to do something in his life that he was totally incapable of doing himself. To have a child when he was 100 years old. And that's what God does when we're saved. When we're saved, we have to believe God to do something in our life that we cannot do ourselves. And that is make ourselves righteous, justify us, forgive us. Righteousness, 
justification, forgiveness, and the new birth, righteousness imputed to us because we believe God to do something that we totally couldn't do ourselves, like Abraham. And if you follow him, God will bless you because God is a blesser of those who walk after him with all of their heart. So, Father, I just bless you tonight. And I reaffirm, Lord, publicly to you that, you, that my life is yours. Take me, Lord. Do what you will. Have your way in me. I surrender totally to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.